Hey, Jim. Hey, Catherine. You sound chipper today. I'm glad to be talking to you. I uh, missed you. <laughs> Wait, you didn't miss me? Um, well, maybe we should say a little more. I feel like we didn't totally talk enough about what we're up to. So we're trying, this week we're trying a new thing, which is talking three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. For the record, Jim doesn't want to do that. <laughs> Nor do Jim our would, listeners. Jim would, Jim would talk every day. But I will say that I think now that we've realized that we're going into, that this is not ending anytime soon, this whole situation, and I want to make sure we do this in a sustainable way, in a way that is actually providing meaningful conversation and not just me wallowing further <laughs> and further into sort of circular um, sadness. So I don't think that's good for anybody, and I... It's not good for you either, Jim. No, we get it. People get tired of me. I am I am a lot. <laughs> that is definitely true. We should say that anyone who's listening, feel free to write us at socialdistance at theatlantic.com and let us know if three days a week like renders us useless to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're we're playing things by ear right now, right? That's what I understand. Yes, totally. Okay, what are we talking about today? This is, we're talking about one of your um, sort of pet interests, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You want to talk about advanced directives today? I think so. Not really a fun topic, but something that everybody needs to think about. No, it's truly terrifying. It makes me sick to my stomach to even think about it. Yeah. But yeah, tell me what, a, what is an advanced directive? Okay, well... Just to, to set the stakes, there was this study uh, of patients at Northwell hospitals in, in New York City, and the mortality rate among COVID-19 patients over 65 was 26%, and almost all patients over 65 who had to go on a ventilator died. Mm -hmm. um, so, well, and, we've been hearing that a lot. I feel like that, that ventilators actually like don't actually have great outcomes. And it seems like a very horrific experience to, to be intubated and on a ventilator. Yeah. I mean, there are certainly, there are going to be higher risk and lower risk cases where sometimes, you know, you might have to be intubated if you get in a car accident, but your odds of recovery are like super, super good if they can just stop the blood loss versus if you're an old person with chronic respiratory disease and heart disease and you've got a serious case of COVID-19 you have to go on this ventilator your odds are extremely low so an advanced directive would be something where you lay out like in this scenario I want this and this but not this like it might be something where you say I, I want you to do everything you can to save my life but not put me on a ventilator yeah um, but the actual process is something that even I am—I don't know enough about, and I would love to know more about. You know exactly. Yeah, what to me in my mind, an advanced directive is like I'm going to type up a word document, like and look. I'm—I would like Google advanced directive template. In fact, I'm going to do that right now. Turns out they—they they have them. Here's one from Legal Templates. Biz. Hmm. .net. Never trust a .net. What does that even mean? What is a .net? It means you wanted to save four ninety nine a month from .com. <laughs> I I uh, 
I don't know, but my, I think there are people who have no advanced directive, and then there are people who just don't have it in the proper, haven't filed it in the proper channels such that before you know it, you're in an ICU. So I would like to know more about how exactly this is done and what people need to know about making an advanced directive and making sure that their wishes are are followed. Just right. because I know that so many people don't uh, don't have it. So we're going to talk about advanced directives, some practical advice. Um, who are we going to call? We are going to talk to Ido Bannock today. He used to be deputy director of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services under President Obama. And now he's president and CEO of a group called the National Hospice and Palliative Care Organization. What What is that? Um, it's basically an advocacy group that serves hospice and palliative care providers, facilities in the U.S. So that that's like an industry uh, trade group or something? Um, yeah, they're a trade organization. I think um, this is an issue that a lot of people know is... Mm-hmm. A problem. I mean, half of the money we spend on medical care comes in the last two years of life. Two um, years. So, I mean, I guess that makes sense. But is is part of that like a lot of that is ineffective or? Well, yeah, that we spend a lot of time at the very end trying to be like, oh, there's all these conditions that are hitting you in hopefully older age. Um, mm-hmm. And we just want to keep you alive instead of spending more up front to prevent these right. things. Or, or right, right. We don't we don't spend a lot of money on prevention. And just instance. maintenance. And we kind of let things yeah. build up yeah. until they're really bad and then and then treat them. Yeah. Um, anyway, right. uh, this is a kind of it's an uncontroversial narrative in medicine that we need people to have advanced directives like not. Not that people should be rationing care or should be DNR, just that people should make their wishes known, like whatever they are. Right. And we're still bad at doing that. So I think an advocate might actually help us, like, (laughs) say, like, here's how you take the practical steps to make an advanced directive, to just to make sure that if you do get sick or if you get hit by a bus or anything, that your wishes are carried out. How do you make that happen? Got it. Okay, let's give him a call. Hi, it's Ido Bannock. Hi, this is Catherine. Hi, Ido, this is Jim. Um, We have a few basic questions. But first, I would like to ask you how you are and where you are. Oh, he do- she does. She likes to have conversation. I'm sorry. <laughs> Straight to business with me. Yeah, yeah. So I am in uh, Maryland. I'm from New York originally, moved down to Maryland to work on the Affordable Care Act and settled mm-hmm. in a pretty rural part of Howard County, Maryland. So we've got surrounded by farmland and I've got two kids. They can run around. So it's, pre- it's a pretty good place to quarantine if, you, if you've got to. Uh, mm-hmm. And my daughter, who's nine, got COVID-19 and oh, wow. she recovered. And mm-hmm. then my wife and I got COVID-19 and we recovered pretty quickly uh, and hadn't been tested until I went to the White House last week and had to get a test prior to meeting with the president and his staff. So it's pretty it's a pretty funny story. Um, but we're all feeling fine and doing well. Thank you. 
And what was your experience at the White House? Did you get one of these rapid tests? Yeah. So I had the Abbott uh, rapid test and uh, it's great. I mean, you go and a half an hour later, you, uh, if they come get you, you've got COVID-19. And if they don't, then you don't. And they were like, mm-hmm. you've got it. Go on in. Everyone in there has it. <laughs> you know, and here, here's the funny part. Um, I wore a mask and I was pretty much the only person with a mask. That is the most bizarre part of so much of the messaging is just being told you need to stand far apart. You need to wear masks. And then exactly. by the people who are not doing it anyway, Catherine. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you just a very basic question from a lay person's perspective. I, yeah. you know, I know that advanced directives exist, but can you just lay out exactly what they are and how, yeah. and, and who you recommend has one? Yeah. So I recommend everyone has one. And in a nutshell, an advanced directive says, I want the following things done or not done. And I want the following person making that decision for me. These are the forms that do that. And how granular do they get? I mean, is it like, you know, it seems hard to envision every possible scenario. So what kinds of things are you saying you want or don't want? So uh, it depends on on what how granular of a person you are. Take me, for example. So I, I'm a lawyer by training, but I'm actually not very granular. I just say, look, I'm, I'm naming an agent. I've had a conversation with the agent. The agent knows what my wishes are. All I need to say is my agent is empowered to make decisions for me. Because you know what? If I'm incapacitated, I'm not going to know the difference. It doesn't really matter to me. Can I ask, is this too personal of a question? Who is your agent? Well, agent one is my wife. Um, but if we, if we were to sort of wreck together, uh, it's my brother. So you have a, mm-hmm. you sort of have a backup agent, a backup agent. Yeah. It, oh, yeah, sounds, it have... sounds very like, uh, men in black or something. It, it, it is very men in black, but you, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta think ahead. You gotta think worst case scenario. Right. And so, so that's what now the, the problem with the, the whole, you know, advanced directives conversation is when people usually hear it, they think about Terry Schiavo. They think about uh, uh, Brittany Menard. They think about the what happens when someone's in a vegetative state or when mm-hmm. someone is at the end of their life. But that's not usually how advanced directives come up. They usually come up when someone's lost their ability to make a decision, either momentarily, they've been struck or stunned or whatever, or permanently, uh, they mm-hmm. have dementia. Uh, and can't make a decision anymore. And so when that point happens, the, the, the problem that I have as a human being is who do you want to make that decision? Do you want the system to make the decision, the hospital, the nursing home, the whomever? Because they're going to make it in a way that makes sure that they're protected the most. And when you say protected, like the hospital system is going to default to a place where they can't be accused of withholding care like the, Which, the default yeah. is to prolong life as opposed to yeah. making a person comfortable yeah and so that means two things one is as a an economy we end up spending too much money on end-of-life care because of that uh, and two uh most people don't want that you know most people when they're if they're reflective say no i you know i want to be at home with my loved ones uh, I want to be in the least restrictive environment. So, yeah, they're going to they're gonna protect themselves um, first. Can you specify, give me a scenario, how granular does it get if you are a granular person? Well, right. So I, I'll give you a good example. Um, my mom specified that she wanted to be on a ventilator. If it ever came to it, she wanted to be on a ventilator. But in the context of COVID-19, she said, you know what? 
I, I've been doing some research and I've kind of realized that people with COVID-19 who are put on ventilators who are sick like I am, so she's got uh, kind of pulmonary problems anyway, usually don't make it if it gets to that point. I don't want, I don't want a ventilator for COVID-19. Um, now, what happens if you're me? I'm 44. Um, maybe I do want a ventilator if it gets down to, uh, to me getting COVID-19 and being in the hospital because maybe I'll make it, right? So I think that the problem with getting too granular is that you can never really foresee everything that might happen or advances in medicine that might sort of take place. Um, so that, that, that's an argument for just making sure your loved ones know what you want. Right. Got it. And then how do you get one? Like for me, my first idea was just to Google advanced directive form. Well, I'll tell you, if, so if, if, if you do that, then the first thing that comes up is AARP. And the second thing that comes up is Caring Info, which is our website. So the simplest thing to do is to go to caringinfo.org and download your state-specific uh, form. Uh, right. And I can fill out a form. That yeah. sounds easy. Yeah. yeah. Now, now that's only part of it because what you don't want to do is fill out a form and then put it in your, under your mattress or in a safe deposit box or somewhere else where nobody can find it. I keep all of my files under my mattress. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah, me too with my money. But but I think that <laughs> the right thing to do is to, once you get that, is to, there are a bunch of websites out there now and, and apps that allow you to digitize your advanced directive and get it into your medical record. Because that's the game. If it's in a, if it's in a, you know, if it's under your mattress or in a safe deposit box, no one's ever going to see it. Right. And that's not what you want. So you have to digitize them. Uh, Apple actually, you know, has, has a service. There are a lot of other services out there. Um, and that's the way to do it once you have a, a level of comfort with it. You don't need a lawyer. Uh, and I'm a lawyer. And I think a lot of lawyers convince people that they need a lawyer to execute an advanced directive. You absolutely don't. You're going to be disbarred for, for saying that. <laughs> hey, hey, I've moved on. I'm heading out of association now. So uh, <laughs> it's all good. You know, this is not rocket science. It's, it's almost like an accountant telling you that you need an accountant to do your taxes. And then, you know, uh, it turns out, you know, you can do it via uh, some app or whatever. Same thing. It, this, is, this is pretty simple stuff here. In this situation, I mean, I, we've been talking to some doctors about uh, who are treating coronavirus patients. and Right. Tell me if I'm wrong, Jim, but I feel like we've heard that, uh, you know, in the in the, a lot of these situations, like the doctors do not have time or the ability to check if someone has an advanced directive. Well, I mean, at least during the when someone comes in, you know, unconscious and they've innovated in the field and th right. they're just heading straight to the ICU. You know, I think those are the situations where doctors feel like the, the decision has already been made. Um, as opposed yeah. to someone who crashes in the hospital. Yeah, yeah, that that that's true. So um, that brings up the importance of of having a a do not resuscitate order. I mean, that's part of what we, people mean when they say an advanced directive. Some people may not want to be resuscitated. If I'm, you know, let let's say I'm 97 years old, do I really want them sticking something in me, sending me to the hospital and possibly uh, you know dying there? The, the answer is probably no, because I may not make it, and if I do, my family's not going to be able to visit me, right? It's the, and that's that's a whole other dimension to this um, that really we need to keep keep in mind in terms of control. If what's important to you is receiving care in the home and being with your loved ones, that's not going to be possible once you get on that ambulance. Uh, you may not be coming back for quite a while. Mm -hmm. 
So, you know, I would advise someone if they're really serious about their do not resuscitate order to make sure that it's kind of clear. People even tattoo do not resuscitate on themselves. Yeah. And I've heard like a welcome mat. Hmm. Yeah, you can have a welcome. That's not a bad idea. (sighs) My God, I don't know why I'm trying to make. It's pretty grim. No, I, you, I this, know. Is why, but this is why people have gallows humor. There's kind of no other way to, to process these things. Exactly. So, so do not resuscitate. And then, and then there's, you know, again, it's some people want to be resuscitated, but, but don't want to receive care in the hospital or don't want to be taken there. And those are the kinds of things you asked about granularity before. Those are the types of things you can specify in your, in your advanced directives. I gotcha. And that's the kind of thing that's tough to put on a doormat is if you're like, sure, Absolutely. if I'm choking on a fish stick, you know, yeah. Ha- yeah. do the Heimlich maneuver, but I don't want to be on a ventilator for two weeks. And that's already a long doormat. Yeah, <laughs> which, is why, which is why, you know, number one, do not resuscitate. Number two, call Betsy. She is my healthcare proxy. Mm-hmm. All right. Betsy knows. You've talked to Betsy. You talk to her every year at Thanksgiving. You say, look, I just want to update you. These, this is what I want. Let's just get this out of the way. And they're like, it's Thanksgiving. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this does, this does bring up the actual reason I imagine a lot of people don't have advanced directives is that it is uncomfortable to think about and to talk about. Right. Right. Do you find that? Absolutely. Uh, but, but the thing that we're seeing now with COVID-19 is that, you know, what seems impossible and so far away and sort of grim and you don't want to deal with it is close to home now, especially if you're yeah. in a place like New York, you know. So, you know, I, I want this to be an impetus for people having a conversation and just get it out of the way. So how do you how do you have this conversation? How do you bring it up with Betsy at Thanksgiving? Well, I think, you know, I, if it's your parents, for example, I think, you know, you say, look, hey, dad, if something goes wrong, who do you want to make a decision? If you don't empower me or someone else to make the decision, then the government or the institution is going to make the decision. Well, I don't want that. But I'm going to be fine. Everything's okay. Don't worry about me. Pass the gravy. Yeah. But you know what? Here's the deal. It's not about you because you know what? You're not aware at that point. It's about me and it's about mom and it's about, you know, brother two and brother three. We're going to end up fighting with each other over what your wishes are. And unless you really want your whole family to fall apart, um, as sometimes happens, you're, you're going to make that stuff. Because what you're doing is you're letting people off the hook. You're saying very clearly, this is, this is who I am. This is what I want. By the way, the simplest thing to do this thing that we call advanced directive Take out your smartphone, do a video selfie, say, my name is Ido Bannock. These are my wishes. Uh, this is today's date. This is the president. So you know that, you know, uh, I'm, I'm here. Uh, and uh, that's it. And that's evidence. Hmm. Uh, you know, so if it ever gets to a debate over what I wanted or didn't want, that's clear. Uh, and then text that to everyone you know. Mm. Just the whole, Just the whole, whole address book. book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The only I would say only the people you know and trust. Yeah, but uh, yeah. but you know, but but I'm just but I'm just saying that's not a horrible idea because that that's probably more effective than a piece of paper in some file somewhere. I yeah, it just feels like there the main issue is right that we don't want to have this conversation and especially right, right now when people are genuinely like scared and alone and you're calling them on the phone. 
sounding like yeah. the harbinger of death. Um, are, are, is there a resource or something where people have these opening lines of like what, yeah. how do you broach this conversation? Do you start light? Do you get yeah, right into yeah. it? So there, there are a couple. There's um, our website again, which has actually a decision guide for COVID nineteen. It has you know how to have a conversation just about advanced care planning. Period. So that's one caringinfo.org. Then there's a group called the Conversation Project, which actually aims to facilitate these kinds of conversations. I would recommend them. Generally speaking, social workers are better at having these kinds of conversations than physicians, doctors, than nurses, uh, lawyers, uh, you know, most other professionals. Um, so if, if, there, if you have any questions, I think those are always good resources individually as well. So uh, I don't have an advanced directive. I don't know right. anything about any of my family members' end-of-life right. wishes. I think in my case, the issue is not that I think my parents would be not, not be open to the conversation. For all I know, they have an advanced directive. But that right. I don't want to have that conversation because it means acknowledging that they will die at some point. Any advice? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would say the earlier that you can do it, the better. And because you're not, you know, I, I wouldn't frame it as an end-of-life discussion mm -hmm. at all. I think that the, the end of life is it is grim and it is hard for people to imagine that. But getting run over by bus is possible. You know, a lot of people die that way. And, uh, you know, so I think the right way to sort of frame it is just in case, just if anything happens, you know, COVID-19, it strikes people. You never know. You could be fine today and not fine tomorrow. Out of curiosity, you know, do you have one of these things? Can we, can we just, I know it's painful, but can we just sit down and have this discussion? My best advice though, I don't want to always simplify it is do it all together. All as, uh, as, mm -hmm. as whatever unit that you, you are, do it all together. So you're not picking on the people that are older. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. that you might offer to go first with your thoughts and then yeah. before asking. Yeah. I'm just going to send my parents this conversation so I don't have to have a scary conversation with them. Totally. So thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's a public service. <laughs> Thank you so much, um, and I'm glad your your family as well. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, guys. Thanks for uh, thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Take care. Bye. Bye now. Well, that was kind of a morbid conversation, maybe, in depending on how you look at things. But well, every day is a morbid conversation. But no, I mean, I, yeah, no, I just like it's just about making your wishes known. There's nothing there you should want to avoid. Yeah. But you still feel that way. Not, I understand. I don't know. It's just scary. But yeah. I'm going to, uh, mo mom and dad, just uh, email me your advance directive. I don't want to, I can't handle talking about it. Thank you. Yeah, that's actually a very kind thing to do uh, if you're at any age. Um, Why don't you have an advance directive? Well, I've just had conversations. What would you want? So in a, in a case of an infectious disease like this, I would want to be aggressively treated. There are certainly limits to what I would want done, um, depending on if I would be able to, you know, say, live independently or be unable to recognize people or it, it, it mm -hmm. sort of, that mm -hmm. sort of thing where there are lots of people who end up in that situation and the family feels that their moral obligation is just prolong the person's life no matter what. And mm -hmm. I hopefully relieve them of that burden by saying I definitely wouldn't want to live like that. Right, right. This is why I got to take Tuesdays and Thursdays off. I just, this wipes me out. 
you seem kind of down. It's probably because you didn't talk to me yesterday. Didn't get your daily dose of Dr. Hamblin. All right, all right. Um, um, okay, well, to listeners, again, the notes we get from you all are really helpful and wonderful. So so keep them coming, and and we'll uh, we'll keep talking about, like, what's the best way to to keep having conversations that are useful to everybody. This show was this produced sh- today, but hi, hey, that's my line. Okay? <laughs> Go for it. <clears throat> you got it. You got it. <clears throat> this show was produced today by Alvin Melleth with help from Anna Waters and Jacqueline Landry. Write us at social distance at theatlantic.com or call 202-642-6487. If you like the show, please tell your friends and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. It'll help more people find the show. Great job. Thanks. I'll talk to you Friday. <sighs> Bye. Text me anytime, though. Text me anytime. I don't like texting. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.